Hello, and welcome to the New Hope Church Podcast. Whether you are a member of our church family, either in person or online, or just checking us out for the first time, we believe that you belong here at New Hope Church, and we hope that this message speaks to you today. Don't forget to check us out online at newhopechurch.tv, and we'd love to connect with you on social media at New Hope Church TV. Thanks for listening, and we hope you enjoy. All right, I want to welcome everybody at our 288 campus, our Friendswood campus, our Alvin campus, our Webster campus, and everybody who is joining us in our online campus. I know that we have people coming back for the first time in a long time every single week because every single week I meet somebody who tells me they haven't been in church for like a year. And I just want to say if that's you today coming back, welcome home, man. Welcome home. Welcome home. We're glad you're back. Something else that's kind of cool that I've been seeing is uh, I meet new people every single week who they're brand new to our church family, but a lot of them tell me that they found us online. They found us online because, you know, somebody shared a link or something. They watched our services, and now they have joined us uh, in the house at one of our campuses. So if you're brand new, I just I want to say to you as well, welcome. Welcome. We're glad that you're here. Yeah. And, and one more thing, I see people of all, all of our campuses because I've visited around all of our campuses and, and I see brand new people volunteering, uh, brand new people greeting and so forth. And, and if you are one of those who's recently stepped up to help us, thank you for that. And those of you who have thought about it, uh, as has been announced, now's, now's the time to step up. We are relaunching our church beginning August uh, 22nd. That's a Sunday. Thursday would be then what? August 19th. So the 19th and 22nd is the first weekend of our relaunch. We're going to have food at all of our campuses, kind of like a festival type atmosphere with all kinds of activities every week for at least four weeks. And that is going to also be our movie series. And I cannot wait. And it is a wonderful time right now to invest in your one. Invest in your one right now And if you don't know what a one is, that's a person who does not have a church home. So invest in your one so that when the relaunch happens, you can can invite them. And it'll be a friend inviting a friend, not anything weird, you know what I mean? But you got to make the investment ahead of time because you care about them and you care about their soul. And speaking of friendships, last week, Pastor Colin, who did a great job, would you agree with that? Yeah. 25 years old, my goodness. Uh, but we're raising them up right here. But Pastor Colin did a great job of kicking us off in our new series where we're learning about and learning from friendships in the Bible. The series is entitled Bible BFFs. And if you don't know what BFF means, you're probably still in my space, but I'll tell you. <laughs> best friends forever, best friends forever. Now, obviously, there are all kinds of friendships. We have you know, casual friends, neighbors, co-workers, classmates, but then there are good friends, good friends. I heard a comedian talking about friendships one time, and he said, you know a person is a friend when you call them in the middle of the night from jail and ask them to come and get you, and they don't, they don't ask you what you did. They just ask you for the address of the jail. That's a friend. But then he went on to say, but a good friend, you know the answer to this. I'm worried about you. A good friend, a good friend would have been in jail with you. That's a good friend. 
The prayer partners will be down here as soon as we're done. So anyway, that's our friend. We're talking about good friends today, about close friends, and, uh, and I, I want to look at a couple of close friends in the Bible, and I want to use them as an example today as we talk about developing and maintaining good friendships, close friendships. If you have your Bible with you today, we're going to be in the book of 1 Samuel. 1 Samuel, we're going to be basically all over that book, and then we'll move into 2 Samuel toward the end of the sermon today. But 1 Samuel, to begin with, we're going to talk about these two friends right here, Jonathan and David. When Jonathan and David were growing up, no one would have guessed that they would have been such good friends one day. They didn't seem to have a lot in common. David was the eighth son of a shepherd. He himself was working as a shepherd. And then you have Jonathan, who was the first son of the king. And back in the day, the expectation would be that the first son, the firstborn son of the king would eventually be the king someday. So you got a guy growing up in the pasture, you got a guy growing up in the palace. And the pastor and the palace didn't seem to have much in common. Uh, they, as, as young men, didn't seem to have much in common either. But the Bible says they ended up being such good friends that the Bible says their hearts were knit together. Now, I know this was a special God-ordained friendship, and you can read the history of it all through the book of 1 Samuel, but today I want to look at this story and just see if there's anything that we can learn about close friendships and about being a, a good friend. And the first thing that I see when I look at their story of these two very different guys, it's like, what was the connection point? What, what was it that made them appreciate each other? And the very first thing that I can come up with from the text is that they both had kindred spirits. They had, where they had kindred spirits together. And uh, we don't know for sure how old they were or how young they were when they first met, but we do know they were quite young. And even though they were very young, they both had this deep, deep faith in God. And because of that very deep faith in God, they were kind of crazy. Kind of, not, not that faith in God makes you crazy, but they were kind of crazy courageous, Okay. And uh, let me show you what I mean. First of all, I want to give you an example for Jonathan. We're going to be in 1 Samuel chapter 14. <clears throat> the Israelites and the Philistines were at war, which was pretty much a constant the entire time Jonathan was alive. Jonathan, whose dad is the king, King Saul, Jonathan is serving in the military. And one day, Jonathan is, I don't know, bored. I know something's going on because he decides to go pick a fight with the enemy at the enemy's outpost. And he makes the decision that he's not going to, he's not going to take an army with him. He's not even going to take a, a small platoon. He's not going to take a few guys. He's going to take his armor bearer, who was the guy who helped him put his armor on basically. So he's just going to go with his assistant, not with the army, just him and the guy who helps him. And I'm going to read you some verses about this, this crazy idea that he had. And, and by the way, if I said to you, hey, church family, stop me anytime it sounds like a crazy idea, you'd be stopping me the entire time. So don't stop me, all right? Uh, Jonathan said to his armor bearer, come on then, let's, let's do this. Let's, let's cross over toward them and let them see us. Okay, so crazy ideas. Let's count them up. Let's go pick a fight with the enemy. Let's go by ourselves. Then let's let them see us. 
Okay, it sounds like bad idea after bad idea after bad idea. Are you with me so far? Verse 9. If they say to us, wait there until we come to you, we will stay where we are and not go up to them. But if they say, come on up here, we will climb up because that will be our sign that the Lord has given them into our hands. So catch this, this last line here, even though I'm saying bad idea followed by bad idea followed by bad idea, there is 100% dependence on God for the outcome. So this is a guy who is acting in faith. He's God-led. Verse 11. So both of them showed themselves to the Philistine outposts. Look, the Philistines, uh, look, looks at the Philistines. The Hebrews are crawling out of the holes that they were hiding in. So the trash talk has begun. The men of the outpost shouted to Jonathan and his armor bearer, come up to us and we will teach you a lesson. So now it's about to get real. So Jonathan said to his armor bearer, climb up after me. The Lord has given them into the hand of Israel. Jonathan climbed up using his hands and his feet, which means they're going up a steep hill here with his armor bearer right behind him. The Philistines fell before Jonathan and his armor bearer followed and killed behind him. So it's like, is that scary? (laughs) Pretty intense, isn't it? In that first attack, Jonathan and his armor bearer killed some 20 men in an area of about a half an acre. Okay, that's young Jonathan, young Jonathan. And most of us would probably say, wow, that guy, that guy. That's the guy you want on your team when things get ugly because that dude is crazy. You with me? We need some crazy people in the world, right? So that's the guy you want on your team because he's crazy. But at the same time, you would say, I'm probably not going to be close friends with that guy because he's crazy. (laughs) Because crazy cuts both ways, right? But Jonathan had big faith. He had big courage. He had a warrior's heart. So what about David? For David's example, we're going to go to 1 Samuel chapter 17. Let me set this up. Uh, David was probably a teenager in in this, uh, for instance here, that we're going to look at, this example. The Philistine army, the army of Israel, were having a standoff. There was one army on one hill, one army on the other hill, valley in between. Neither army was going to give up the high ground, and so there was a standoff. Uh, and, and every single day, the enemy army would send their biggest guy down into the valley to taunt the army of Israel. And also, not only did he do that, he, he, he ridiculed God. From the valley, he ridiculed the, 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 the army of Israel, God's people, but he also ridiculed God, hurled insults at, at God every single day for 40 days. The Bible says in the morning he did it, in the evening he did it, 80 times now. He's been ridiculing the army of God, the people of God, and God himself, and no one shut him up. And David, who's not even old enough to serve in the military, he comes to bring some food to his brothers who are serving in the military. So he's like Uber Eats. And he shows up. He hears Goliath cursing God. And he says, somebody's, he's there for five minutes. He's like, somebody's got to shut that guy up. Now, there were plenty of soldiers on God's side, plenty of soldiers with God's people. In fact, the king had even put a bounty on Goliath's head. Verse uh, 25 says, The king will give great wealth to the man who kills Goliath. He will also give him 
his daughter, so he got great wealth, and then he says it'll also give him his daughter. We, we don't know if that's a good deal or not, but <clears throat> doesn't say in the text, does it? Okay. In, in marriage and will exempt his family from taxes in Israel. That's a, that sounds like a good deal right there, right? So, so that goes out to the entire army. Guess how many volunteers they had? Zero. Zero. And him, who knows? <clears throat> it doesn't say in the text. We don't know. So. So David, like I said, he's there five minutes. I don't know for sure how long he's there, but not long. And he says, I'm doing it. He didn't have any arm, armor, so they tried to put the king's armor on him. It was way too big because, remember, this kid, is, he's, a, he's a kid, and he's small. And, and so he goes out with no more armor on. He goes into the valley. He's got the only weapon that he knows how to use real well, and that's his slingshot. He picks up some smooth stones puts one stone into the sling of the slingshot, begins to swing it around his head, runs toward Goliath, releases the rock. Bible says <clears throat> it hits Goliath so hard in the forehead that it, it sinks into his forehead. Not good for Goliath, right? And so he's down, and he's down, and he is dead on the ground. The enemy army figured out real quick, a little guy just beat our biggest guy. The Lord is with that army, and they took off as fast as they can with the Israelite army in hot pursuit. So that's the short version of a great story. David then debriefs with King Saul in his tent. Jonathan, King Saul's son, is there. And in chapter 18, we read this. And Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as himself. Jonathan took off the robe he was wearing and gave it to David along with his tunic and even his sword, his bow, and his belt. This is a big deal because Jonathan's dad is still the king. And as I said to you earlier, the expectation would be, would be back in these days that the firstborn son of the king would be the next king. Now, we know that wasn't going to happen because we can see it in the, in the text that God had already rejected Saul and he had chosen David to be the next king. But so far as we could tell, not many people knew that at this point, but Jonathan sees David's faith. He sees his crazy courage. He sees God's blessing on him. And so he elevates David above himself. And right here you have two very different guys, two very different upbringings, but the same big faith in God and crazy courage. They both shared it. And, uh, and they saw that in each other, which I believe opened up the door for them to become, boom, best friends, best friends. Now, Friendships are kind of interesting to me and how they work. Um, like I have, a, I have a friend who is not a pastor, not a pastor, but he leads a lot of people. And so we share that in common that we, we always want to be better leaders and we're always talking leadership. Um, we share the same love for our families. We have a similar sense of humor. I have a lot of pastor friends, but I'm not necessarily close friends with most of them. Some of them but I'm not close friends with a ton of pastors. And uh, uh, so, some of them don't have a sense of humor. Let's just say it, okay? 
Some pastors are uptight, and we won't go into detail on that, but just uptight. Now, sometimes I just want to say to them, you do know that God wins, right? You do know that God wins. Be happy, all right? But uh, you, you know what I mean here. Uh, you got friends at work. You're blessed to have friends at work, but when it's 5 p.m., right? And you're closer to a friend or friends outside of work, and it's probably because there's something more important in a friendship than proximity. My college roommate and I are still close friends after 40 years. After 40 years, here's a, here's a picture of him. He's in the hat. Uh, his name is John Scott. He's from, he, he actually is a pastor in Hemet, California. And here's what's wild. I don't even see John nowadays for over a year at a time. Maybe. Maybe sometimes every year at a conference or something. Maybe it's, you know, a couple years. And we don't even see each other. But when we do see each other, it's like we've never been apart. How many of you got a friend like that? You know what I'm talking about. It's pretty amazing, isn't it? It's a wonderful feeling. It's a, it's a God thing. <clears throat> but even after 40 years, um, I'll still just get a text from him every now and then. Just says, hey, man, I was thinking about you. And then he sometimes will say something I did in college, which we won't talk about today in church. It's not, necess- <laughs> it's not necessary. But then, then he'll say, I, I was just thinking about you and I love you. Just want you to know I love you. Hope you're doing well. And that's after 40 years, okay, and not seeing each other that much in, you know, the past few decades. And, but right when I met him, the day I met him, the moment I met him, it was just like we had kindred spirits. And a couple of the reasons, we, we both love sports. We both love basketball. <clears throat> um, we both love fast cars. Um, he had a 1967 Chevelle Supersport. I had a 1970 Cutlass Sport, which is based on the 442 model of body with Krager deep dish super sport rims and BF Goodrich raised white letter tires. Buckets, I don't need to go into detail, do I? <clears throat> but anyway, both had fast cars and, uh, and uh, like I said, love sports. We both love Jesus. Our dads were preachers. We wanted to learn how to preach and do it well. And we both got in trouble together in Bible college, which don't judge me. It's easy to get in trouble in Bible college. (laughs) Would you like an example? Sure you would. Okay. Um, One time we got in trouble for, pardon me, walking across campus in basketball clothes on our way to play basketball. I told you it was easy to get in trouble in Bible college, okay? But anyway, we've leaned on each other so much throughout the years and, and been there for each other, good times and bad. And, 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 and there was one, you know, anytime I call him, he answers. Uh, well, most time, it, sometimes he'll call me back if he's in the middle of something. There's one time that I woke up early in the morning and I was, had something big I had to do that day. And I'd been working on my computer to prepare for it. And when I got up, my computer was just like dead. It wouldn't do anything. And so I got on my phone and I called him. He's in California, remember? So I'm up early calling him in California. He doesn't answer. I wasn't remembering the, the time difference. And he doesn't answer. But about two minutes later, he calls me and he's really groggy. And I said, oh, I'm so sorry. I forgot about the time difference. And he goes, that's okay. We're on vacation in Hawaii. <laughs> so what is that, like five hours? 
So I called him real early, so it was like one in the morning or something when I called him. And yet he called me back and he said, how can I help you? What can I do for you? And try to help me work through that situation. I'm just saying, we have been there for each other, but it all began because we had kindred spirits. Jonathan and David were kindred spirits as well. And that's the first truth about them. Another truth about close friends is close friends have each other's back. They have each other's back. I've heard it said that a close friend knows enough about you that they could ruin you. But they don't because they love you. And because they know you could do the same to them. Jonathan's dad, King Saul, ended up really, really hating David. After David had killed Goliath, David got so popular that Saul became insanely jealous. So he tried to have David killed multiple ways, multiple times, throwing a sword, sending search parties after him, sending him into battle in ways in which there was no way that he could survive, let alone win. And, uh, and, and, but David, with God's help, would not only survive, but would win the battle. And so David just kept getting more and more popular. This only made Saul want him dead even more. But Jonathan stood up for David, even against his own father. We're in chapter 19 now, if you're following along in your Bible. This is beginning verse 1. Saul told his son Jonathan and all the attendants to kill David, but Jonathan had taken a great liking to David and warned David, my father Saul's looking for a chance to kill you. Be on your guard. Tomorrow morning, go into hiding and stay there. I will go out and stand with my father in the field where you are. I will speak to him about you and will tell you what I find out. Jonathan spoke well of David to Saul, his father, and said to him, let not the king do wrong to his servant David. He has not wronged you, and what he has done has benefited you greatly. So King Saul is so jealous of David that he's literally losing his grip on reality. And this puts Jonathan at great risk. In fact, there was one time, I don't have the scripture reference, one time where King Saul tried to kill his own son because of David. The dude had big time issues, okay? He was kind of losing his mind. But even in that awkward, difficult, precarious situation, Jonathan stuck up for David. And just let me tell you something. If you're going to have a close friend, if you're going to have a good friend, here's where it gets real. When everybody else is tossing them to the side, when everybody else isn't speaking well of them, when everybody else kind of maybe is hating on them a little bit, you can join in or you can speak well, even if it means that others back away from you. Now, I am not saying, and don't take this the wrong way, I'm not saying lie for them. I'm not saying be in denial when they're wrong. But when everybody else just wants to tear them down, wants to do away with them, and you're the only one in the room who really cares about them, it's up to you to put in a good word for them. That's because good friends have each other's back. Something else is true about good friends. They tell each other the whole truth. They tell each other the whole truth. 
after Jonathan had a talk with his dad about, you know, you got to quit trying to kill David. <laughs> King Saul's like, okay, I won't do it anymore. I won't try to kill him anymore. But then he got mad again. One long after that, he got mad again. He started sending out search parties to hunt David down and to, to kill him. So David told Jonathan, your dad is trying to kill me again. Jonathan says, no, my dad would not do that because I, I talked to him about it and he wouldn't lie to me. And David said, listen, I know you don't want to hear this, but your dad is a bad man. Close friends tell each other the truth even though it hurts. We talked about this a few weeks back. How if you really love someone, there's going to be difficult conversations. Remember that? Proverbs chapter 27 says this, better is open rebuke than hidden love. Wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. Sometimes a friend, if it's true, sometimes a friend needs to say, your maid is cheating on you, or your son is lying to you. I'm just going to tell you something. If you keep hanging around that girl, you're going to crash and burn your marriage. Or I think the Bible study that you're talking about getting involved in is actually, it's got a lot of false teaching in it, and I don't think that you should get involved. I know, you know, after you had your accident that you were in a lot of pain, but you've been on painkillers too long. Listen, I know what it feels like to step into those kinds of minefields. You risk everything, but you do it because you love that person. I'm going to say something I've said before, but I'm going to say it again. I want you to hear it. You got to love the person more than you love your relationship with that person. You got to love the person more than you love your relationship with that person. For the next decade or so, David lived as a fugitive, running for his life. He met up, as far as we know, he met up with Jonathan one final time, and we have a brief description of that encounter over in chapter 23, 1 Samuel 23. And Saul's son Jonathan went to David at Horesh and helped him find strength in God. Don't be afraid, he said. My father Saul will not lay a hand on you. You will be king over Israel, and I will be what? Second to you. Even my father Saul knows this. The two of them made a covenant before the Lord. Then Jonathan went home, but David remained at Horish. So David promised Jonathan that when he became king, he would take care of Jonathan's family. He said, when I become king, your family doesn't have to worry. I'm going to take care of your family. Eventually, King Saul and his sons, including Jonathan, were killed in battle. And the Philistines found their bodies on the battlefield and, and realized who they were. And they cut their heads off, Old Testament, okay? They cut their heads off and they hung them, their bodies, their decapitated bodies, on the wall at Bet Shan. The ruins of Bet Shan are still there to this day. In fact, here's a picture of what it looks like today. And these are some of our new hopers who went there on a trip with Jane and I. This is Bet Shen. There's a hill right here that used to have the temple, their temple, the pagan temple on the top of it. And, and the wall, they, they say, was right down in this area right here around the city. And, 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 and just follow me here. You're looking east. You're looking east right here. 
And so you're looking toward uh, the country of Jordan right here across the Jordan River. So right on the other side of these trees, it goes down, 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 down. The Jordan River Basin or Jordan River Valley, the Jordan River runs in that valley. Then you go up the other side. That's the hills you see on the other side. And that area over there back in the day was called Jabesh Gilead. Jabesh Gilead. Let me tell you why this is important. You got Jabesh Gilead over here, Bethshan right here, the wall where Saul's body along with Jonathan's body and Saul's other sons were hung. Um, back when Saul first became king of Israel, the people of Jabesh Gilead were about to be attacked by the Ammonites. The Ammonites said, we're going to come in, we're going to kill everybody, it's not going to be pleasant, you need to surrender. So the people of Jabesh Gilead tried to surrender. They said, we'll be your servants. But the Ammonites said, we'll only accept your surrender if all the men in Jabesh Gilead agree to have the right eye gouged out. You can read about it in 1 Samuel chapter 11 if you, if you want to. So brand new King Saul, I mean brand new King Saul, hears about this. He rides into town with his posse. He beats down the Ammonites and saves the people of Jabesh Gilead who, as you might guess, are, are, are so, so thankful for that. Now years later, Saul and Jonathan's bodies are hanging here at Beth Shan on the walls. The people of Jabesh Gilead heard about it. And now let's go to 1 Samuel chapter 31. When the people of Jabesh Gilead heard what the Philistines had done to Saul, all their val valiant men marched through the night to Bethshan. They took down the bodies of Saul and his sons from the wall of Bethshan and went to Jabesh where they burned them. Then they took their bones and buried them under a tamarisk tree at Jabesh and they fasted seven days. Let me translate this. They gave them a proper burial. And with that, David's friend Jonathan is gone, along with the king, King Saul, uh, Jonathan's father. And now David is king. David could have forgotten all about their friendship, his friendship with Jonathan. But close friends keep their promises, keep their promises. A lot of times back in the day when a new king took over, he'd clean house, meaning he would have all of the members of the previous king's family killed so that there would be no one who would rise up and try to take the throne. David had made a promise that when he became king that he was going to take care of Jonathan's family. So now David's king, what's he do? He has a search made for, a search done for looking for the members, any members of Jonathan's family who are still alive, and they find one guy, one guy. He's a crippled man. He was crippled since he was very young. Uh, the Bible says that when he was very young, a baby, that uh, enemy attackers were attacking, and his nurse picked him up to run with him, and she fell down and crushed his feet. So now he's a, a man, but he's still crippled. And instead of having, his name's Mephibosheth, and instead of having Mephibosheth killed, when David found him, he brought him to the palace to live in the palace, to eat at the king's table like he was a member of the king's own family. Over in 2 Samuel now, 2 Samuel chapter 9, so Mephibosheth ate at David's table like one of the king's son. Listen to me. Good friends always keep their promises. And David kept his promise to Jonathan. 
Now, you, you might be evaluating your life and you might be thinking, do I have a good friend? Do I have a good, is there somebody that's a kindred spirit with me? Does somebody always have my back? Are they truthful? Do they, do they, do I have anybody that's kept their promises to me? But in reality, the question you should be asking because you're the one that's in church today is this, am I a good friend to someone else? Am I a good friend to someone else? But whether you can say yes or no to that, I have good news for you today. You have a friend in Jesus. And Jesus always keeps his promises. He's the friend who sticks closer than a brother. And uh, Jesus promised that when he came to this world that he would seek and save those who were lost. And he seeks for us, even though we've fallen into sin and become crippled because of sin and there's not much that we can contribute to him. Still, he does this. This is John 15, 13. Greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. This is a verse about what Jesus did for you and for me by giving his life on the cross to pay the penalty for your sins and mine. And he promised, he promised us, and he always keeps his promises. But he promised us that if we would accept him, we would be adopted into God's family. John chapter 1, verse 12, to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. And so when we come to him and we lay our crutches down and we sit down at the king's table and we swivel our crippled feet underneath his table, guess what? We get to inherit all that he has for his children because when we place our belief and our faith in him we become a child of God and it's all because of the best friend that any of us have ever known his name is Jesus what a friend we have in Jesus amen I want you to stand with me please All right, so if you don't know Christ today, if you've never made the decision to follow him, um, that forgiveness is available for you today. And as we always do, we, we'll have prayer partners down at the front of the room. You can come to talk, talk to them after the service. If you wanna make a decision for Christ today, if you wanna place your trust in him, acknowledge his lordship over your life, they'll be down at the front of the room. Or if you need prayer for anything, come on down. Let's pray. God in heaven, I thank you for your son, Jesus. I thank you it is because of his friendship toward us that we, we have eternal life. Lord, I pray as we continue through this series that you would just help us, Lord, to be more like Jesus, more like him, to be a better friend for those people who are in our lives, Lord. Help us, help us, Lord, to be the kind of people that when people around us, they sense your son is there as well. Just live through us, God. I ask this in your son's name and all the people said, amen. amen. Love you guys. We'll see you next time. If you enjoyed the podcast, we encourage you to follow, share it with friends and family, or let us know by tagging us at New Hope Church TV on social media. We would love to connect with you. Thanks for listening.